Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is September the 22nd, and our chapter for today is Romans chapter 4. We're going to, for context, go back to chapter 3 and verse 25, and then we will go through the first part of chapter 4 as we go through the book of Romans chapter by chapter. When we left our podcast yesterday, we had concluded with the Apostle Paul that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we are in need of God's grace. Now, the Bible says in verse 23 that all have sinned. We have fallen short. What is the target and the goal and the paradigm of which we have fallen short? It is the glory of God, the very essence of God himself. Then it says, being justified freely by his grace. Now, justification is a legal term in the Greco-Roman world for one who is declared righteous, not because of his own inherent worth or what he's done, but because of the merit of another. He is declared to be righteous. In other words, his debt has been paid. His innocence is not the issue. It is that someone else has paid the debt for him. He is declared declared to be righteous on the merit of another. Verse 25 says that it is through Jesus Christ whom God set forth to be a propitiation. Now that's a big long theological word that comes from the word hilasterion. Hilasterion. It is only used here in the entire New Testament. And it is a word that describes the Ark of the Covenant in which there were three items. There were the tablets of stone, Aaron's rod that budded to show authority, and a golden pot of manna. Now, by a later time, only the tablets were there. But uh, it started out with all three, and those are mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. But it says that in this ark were these various things, according to the book of Hebrews, and over the top of that chest, which is the what it was, we call a chest an ark. That's an old English terminology that's just brought right over into our modern-day language. It was a chest, and the lid of that chest was a special lid, and it was called a hilasterion, this very word right here. Now, we translate that in the Old Testament, mercy seat in the Septuagint. We talk about that place where God met man and that lid that covered up all of those wonderful things, but all of those things, including the law, They had already broken the law before Moses got down the mountain with them. They had to question God's authority through Aaron. And so God summons all of the tribal leaders to come together. They brought their elders rod representing their tribe. And remember, God said, you leave them here and I will designate who it is that's going to be the leader. Sure enough, the next morning when they came, Aaron's 
rod was an almond rod made of almond wood, just a rod, just a piece of wood, about a cubit in length. And the next morning it had leaves on it and full bloom and almonds. And so God miraculously did that. But the reason he had to do that was because of the rebellion of the people against authority. And then the pot of manna. They begged God for food. God gave them that. They complained about that. He said, don't gather except enough for what you need or I will cause it to spoil. What did they do? They went out and gathered exactly what he told them not to and it spoiled. And so there again, with the law, with the rod of authority, with the provision that God given, they failed every test. And so God put all of these things in there. And he couldn't look upon those as a reminder of their own failure. So what did he do? He covered it up. He covered it up with a lid. He put a lid on it, and that lid was called the hilasterion, the mercy seat. And so the Bible says, whom God has set forth, that is Jesus the Christ, it's just mentioned that in verse 23 and 24, God has set forth Jesus Christ as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate God's righteousness because of his forbearance. Now, this is a word. It's a compound Greek word, pro and genomai, which means something that took place before, something that happened before. In other words, all of these sins that had happened, God in his great forbearance, God in his great mercy, he looked over these things that had happened, not to look over them in the sense of winking at them, but he looked beyond them and he saw in those sacrifices, the sacrifice of his own dear son, the Messiah, Jesus, and he said that he looked beyond these sins that had been previously committed. That's the word progenomai. And God in his forbearance, that is, his looking beyond what they did to the time when the debt would be paid, when the mercy would be shown and God would grace and be able to grace justifiably through the blood of his own son. And it says this was done to demonstrate at this present time God's righteousness, that he might be both just and the justifier, the one who has trust in Jesus. So the people in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, those who were studying the Tanakh, they knew that the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, man's sin. An animal can't die for a man. A man must die for a man. And just as Adam brought sin into the entire human race through his acts of disobedience, righteousness is brought in through the acts of pure obedience of the Son of God, and the scripture says that Jesus became the mercy seat for us, and it is through his blood that he fulfills what God had looked beyond in the past and moved the judgment from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, by trust, apart from the deeds of the law. It's through the blood that was shed, not deeds of the law, and it was not just any blood. It was the blood of God's own Son. Or is he the God of the Jews only? 
Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. God forbid. May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. In other words, the purpose of the law was never to bring about righteousness. No man can keep the law. No one's perfect. So no one can go to heaven. You see, you don't have to be good to go to heaven. You have to be perfect. And none of us have ever lived in perfect obedience to the law. Only one has ever done that, and that's Jesus of Nazareth. And he became that mercy seat for us. But it doesn't stop there. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John, who was the closest to Jesus, said, Now, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. In other words, John said, I'm writing this to you. Those of you who are saved, who are followers of Jesus, I'm writing to you to help you to understand you don't need to sin. Now, when you become a child of God, that doesn't mean that you become sinless, but it should mean that you sin less and less and less as we are maturing in righteousness and obedience and in the life that pleases God. He says the goal is that you don't sin. But he says, and if anyone sins, now that's what's called a first-class conditional sentence. In other words, it's cast in the indicative mode, which is the mode of reality. And so uh, you say, well, what does all that mean? Well, listen, I'll tell you. And if anyone sins, the if is not if as in it might happen. It is if as when it does happen. So this should be translated in my estimation uh, like this. My little children, these things write unto you that you quit sinning. But when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, the word advocate is the word parakletos. It's the same word for the Holy Spirit. Para means beside. Kletos is the word from kaleo, which means to call, the one called alongside. It's the idea of an, a defense attorney standing beside you before the judge in the court of heaven. And uh, Scripture says we have an advocate with the Father. Well, who is it? Well, it's Jesus Christ, and he's defined as the righteous one. See, he's the only righteous one. Who's ever lived? Adam was not. No man has been since Adam, nor will be in Adam. And so Jesus is our advocate. He's the attorney. He's the defense attorney. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Now, in Romans 3.25, it says that Jesus is the hilasterion. That's only used one time, and that is for the mercy seat in the New Testament. So Jesus is that lid upon which the cherubim rested, upon which there was a fence around it, a border around that lid. It was a very ornate lid, all one piece, with the cherubim guarding the glory of God in heaven. They are represented here with their wings were touching. Jesus is that mercy seat who covers all of the broken elements in the chest. Okay, now watch this. It says that when we sin, we have a defense attorney with the Father, and he is Jesus Christ, the one who is righteous, and he is the himself, the propitiation. It's not the word hilasterion for the mercy seat. It is the word hilasmos for the offering and the blood that was put on the mercy seat. So Jesus is not only 
Jesus is not only the mercy seat, he's the sacrificial blood, and it's his blood that goes on the mercy seat. So he's the covering, and his blood is the seal of that covering. And so he is our advocate. He's our defense attorney. Well, what does a defense attorney do when there is an accusation against his client? He says, I object. Well, why do you object on the basis of what I did? I lived a perfect life. I didn't die for my own sins. I died to pay for them. So the accusations are worthless because I have paid for that accusation. Now, that's what Paul is getting to in Romans chapter 3. And so he says that Jesus is the one who justifies us. He is the justifier. He is the one that causes it to be just. But look what he says. So what does this mean? Do we make void the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we establish the law in that the law's purpose was never to for righteousness, By keeping the law, you'd be righteous, but to show that indeed we cannot keep the perfect law of God, we cannot walk in total righteousness, and we will break it, and we need a Savior. And that's where Jesus comes in, both as the mercy seat and the sacrifice that went on the mercy seat. He is both the hilasterion in 325 of Romans. He is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He is the defense attorney, and it is his blood that is put on the mercy seat to cover our sins and pay for them. Well, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham trusted God. He believed in God. He committed all his weight to God, and it was accounted to him, put on his ledger. It was written to him for righteousness. In other words, when he trusted God's sacrifice that was laid out in that blood ditch ritual in chapter 15, that's where this quote comes from, not 22 in the binding of Isaac in Genesis 22, but this is a quote from Genesis chapter 15, where the covenant, the unconditional covenant was cut, was made by God with Abraham, and it was testified through the blood ditch ritual of the animals being cut in half and filleted and put on either side and the blood drained into a ditch and Abraham could not walk through that ditch. He was so tired and weary and worn out, but God himself went through that ditch and God said he would not only keep his end of the covenant, but he would also see that Abraham's end was kept by God himself. So God knew that Abraham could couldn't do it. So he became the one who would keep both ends of the bargain. He's the only one that can. He's the one that is righteous. He's the one that declares Abraham to be righteous because Abraham trusted that God would provide the sacrifice that would one day take away the sin of the world. And so it says, this is how Abraham was made right with God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, trusted God, and it was put on his account for righteousness. So when God looked 
at Abraham's account, he didn't see Abraham's keeping of the law. He saw the son of God keeping the law and being perfect and dying the death that Abraham should have died, but he died in his place as a substitute. And therefore he put on Abraham's account righteousness, not that Abraham lived it out by works, which he had done, but by grace. That's why verse Four says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, that is, who doesn't earn it, but believes on the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted, put on his ledger, as righteousness. Isn't this amazing? The scripture says, that the one who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. In other words, there's no work that he can do, and only the ungodly can be saved. You see, Jesus didn't come to save the godly, but the ungodly. He didn't come to save the righteous and those who think they're godly and those who think they're righteous, but he came to save those who are ungodly and those who are unrighteous, and that's you and that's me. Now, this is what Paul's getting at. You and I can never be good enough to be saved and be right with God. But because of what Jesus did and him being good enough and what he accomplished, the wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned. He would never have to die. But he chose to die for you and for me. Not to pay for his own sins, but to pay for yours and mine. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.